Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. FIFA World Cup, right here on SCNZ. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. This is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ. Good morning and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie Mackay, and over the next hour, we're going to talk about all the sport that's going on, and there is plenty for sure. It is, of course, Rugby World Cup final day, where our own Black Ferns will be taking on England to try and lift the cup at the end of the day. England, they've won 30 in a row, and they're gunning for win number 31, while the Black Ferns, well, they've won 11 in a row themselves. They've come through one of the most intense semi-finals I've ever seen, so I can only imagine what tonight is going to be like. A sold-out stadium at Eden Park. I absolutely cannot wait. In a moment or two, we'll, we'll talk to Scotty Stevenson. He'll give us all the chatter ahead of what is going to be another Eden Park classic, no doubt. It's not the only rugby going on. Of course, Monday morning, the All Blacks take on Scotland, and the All Blacks 15 back in action as well. And the great news there, Tom Christie will be in the number seven jersey. You may have picked up that we are big Tom Christie fans here, and I'm thrilled to see him get the nod there. Frankie's five will stick with the rugby theme. I'll give you five reasons why the Black Ferns can win the World Cup final. I'll also keep you in the know with what's going on in Canterbury. It's been a busy week here in Christchurch, that's for sure, and that continues today with football ferns in town this afternoon. Around 7.30 this morning, we'll catch up with Canterbury Pride head coach Alana Gunn to talk all things football, see how the Pride have been tracking since we last caught up, and to finish off the show, we'll have Garth Galloway and Guy Havel form the panel where we go over the Black Caps T20 campaign with a fine-tooth comb. So big show planned, which probably means we should crack on into it. Rugby up first, because, of course, it's finals day, so it's get it gets pride of place at the top of the show and this is your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Holmes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Joining me today ahead of a massive match for the Black Ferns, a World Cup final at Eden Park. It's commentator, sports broadcaster, author and all-round good sort, Scotty Stevenson. Scotty, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you feeling ahead of uh, big finals footy? Uh, I'm feeling great, although uh, the weather in Auckland can just sort its shit out, that's for sure. Hopefully this rain goes away and we've got a good night at Eden Park, but even so, it'll still be a pretty special occasion, and I don't think either side will be too worried about the rain, to be honest. Yeah, well, that was that was going to be my question, actually, is, you know, it's, it's tipping it down in, in Auckland as, as we speak. It's meant to clear up for final tonight, 730 is this really going to play into the English uh, side's hands, or can the Black Ferns manage to find a way to get around this and, and flourish with some wet weather footy? Well, I saw them play the last game in the Pacific Force Series back in June, July against the US in Whangarei in atrocious conditions, and they played near flawless rugby. I know that the quality of opposition uh, for this final is going to be a little level up on that match, but even so, I think they showed the fluency and the dynamism that has come to reflect the style of play they're trying to achieve out there. So, yeah, I think a, a dry night at Eden Park is going to be great for everyone. Uh, hopefully we get that in a few hours' time. But, um, look, if not, I, I just don't think either side's going to worry too much. Will England's style of play be more suited to the weather? I guess it would be. I think everyone can see the way they play, the structures they play with, and it is very structured, uh, if not quite predictable kind of football. But then... 
you, you know, I think if the, if the All Blacks, the Black Ferns, should I say, uh, can find their accuracy and can make sure that they're running tight support lines, then there's no reason they can't play the same style of footy they've employed throughout the tournament. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. They're through to the final courtesy of a, a nail-biting 25-24 win over what we would say a very well-organised French side. Have you recovered from that one yet, Scotty? That was that was pretty full on. Are you ready to go again? Yeah, no, I'm ready. Uh, that took a while to recover from, actually. There was a bit of decompression required after that game and, uh, you know, quite an emotional moment, I think, on the panel with uh, Liz mm. Elder in particular, who, um, you know, just I wanted to just mention her briefly while we chat about this because... Yeah, it was her fervent wish and dream to be in that Blackburn side for this campaign, and it wasn't to be. Uh, and she has carried herself with such grace and dignity throughout this tournament. But obviously, uh, she was incredibly emotional, as, as we were. But for her in particular, that was a roller coaster last Saturday night. And, um, you know, her ability to, to let that show, I think, in the moment after the match spoke volumes about who she is as a person and, and about all the women in this game, and, and certainly the women that I've been privileged to work through through this campaign. Uh, they live it, they breathe it, they're really passionate about it. And, uh, the way that that crowd stuck around, and I think that's what got us all, really, that the way the crowd stuck around, listened to Rua Heidemann after the game and to acknowledge that team. I, I haven't seen teams like that at Eden Park with such a crowd staying behind since McCaw bid farewell to New Zealand in his final home test. And, and that was an incredibly uh, moving and, and, I think, catalytic change in the game for me. Yeah, it was. It was a really special moment. It actually brought a tear to my eye and a few others who were sitting in the pub watching. It was, yeah, it was a really beautiful moment and, and I think just shows how, how special this Black Fern side is and, and the personalities of, of all the women involved and so cool to see the crowds that have been coming out. There's been over 100,000 fans attending the games live. The final at Eden Park now sold out. How important though is that home crowd going to be tonight? Huge, Frank. Uh, the Black Ferns have said it all tournament long. And, and it's quite funny because the two games they've played at Eden Park and those quite big crowds, especially that opening game, and then uh, while there were a few less um, in the, at the semi-final, it'll be back to capacity for the final tonight. And um, look, you know, they've started slowly. Uh, they've got to make sure that they can cope with that moment, with the start of the match, with all the emotion that, that they bring into it. Uh, through that wonderful haka uh, and just uh, making sure that that crowd does energise them instead of uh, you know turning them rather into the possums in the headlights. You know, they gave up 17 points against Australia in the first 30 minutes. Uh, they gave up 10 against France. So they can't start like that against England. If England get their roll on, they are going to be very hard to close down because they are so adept at playing footy in front. And uh, you know the Black Ferns must come out from the opening whistle and set the tone in this game. The crowd's going to be great, and, and it's really the support for all the teams in this tournament has been fantastic. It's not just about Black Ferns. Every team here has played its part in making sure that this is the Rugby World Cup that changes the face of Rugby World Cups forever. It's a bloody good thing. Um, and, you know, look, I, I cannot tell you how many people I know who, uh, heretofore, Frank, haven't had that much of an interest in going along to watch an All Blacks test or going along to watch a game of Super Rugby uh, but my phone's been ringing hot with people begging, borrowing, trying to steal tickets. Uh, and they're people who have never been to Eden Park before, Frank. And I think that speaks volumes about what these women um, have achieved, what this tournament has done for the game, not the women's game, for the game. And, you know, long may that continue. I, I think by the time this tournament returns to New Zealand, and I, I certainly hope it does, you know, we'll see a tournament that is nationwide, 
uh, and that packs out grounds across the country and that's going to be the legacy this tournament, I think, leaves. Heck yeah. yeah. It's been absolutely brilliant to watch. The amount of people I've had the same who, who almost their love for rugby has just been, been re-energised by the way that these women have gone about their footy, gone about dealing with the media, just, just the way they seem to interact with each other. Like The only way I can sum them up is... Is they are cool, you know. Everyone wants to be a be a black fern. Everyone wants to be part of it. We're all we're all riding the bus now. We're all in right behind them. So yeah, it's been it has been brilliant to see. But we have to admit this English side they've they've been the dominant side in recent years. Unbeaten streak sitting at thirty in a row. They had a little scare in their semi final against Canada. But what is it that makes these guys these, this English team just just so good? Time in the saddle. Uh, for one, a lot of test caps. Sarah Hunter playing her 140th test mm. uh, this week. I, I looked through that Blackburns lineup. I think there's 113 caps in the whole team. Uh, that tells a story, doesn't it, about um, just how much footy the home side has played in recent years, but also just how experienced England side is. And, and Sarah Hunter's just one. Amy Cocaine, who's an absolute legend at hooker, she'll play her 70th test. Um, others are knocking on the door of 100. It's it's quite phenomenal. Um, and, they, and they've got a game plan that just works for them. It's come out of, you know, a, a traditional English-style playbook. And I, I don't mean that disparagingly at all. I think they just play to their strengths. They're coached well. Uh, they understand what they're trying to do on the field. They're tactically very astute, especially Zoe Harrison at 10. She really drives that game. And she's going to be the hugest threat, I think, to New Zealand, we talk a lot about their pack, and, and it's a formidable pack. Hunter, the aforementioned Marley Packer, Alex Matthews, and that loose forward trio. Uh, Zoe Warcroft, who I think was World Player of the Year last year at Lock. Vicky Cornborough and Sarah Byrne on the, on the side of Amy Cocaine. So you look through that pack, and we know they like to drive. We know their mall's good. We know their scrum line-outs are very proficient. Uh, they're also very good around the breakdown. So I don't see a lot of weaknesses there. What I do see, though, is a Blackfern side that, will be willing and able to take them head on, especially on the carry. I think what we've seen from Maya Roos uh, throughout this tournament has been phenomenal for such a young player. Uh, she just carries brutally all game long. Chelsea Bremer gets better and better. I, I think the player who's got the most to prove in this game, and, and I mean this you know, in a, in a nice way, is Alana Bremer. If Alana Bremner uh, can play the game of her life, I think with Sarah Hedony and Charmaine McMenamin coming back into that loose forward trio, um, that, that'd be a loose forward trio that'd take on anyone in the world. Um, but yeah, we'll go back to the original point, Frank. There, there's no match for experience. And Sarah Hunter's still hurting from 2017 when the Black Ferns were able to come mm. from behind in Belfast and win that game 41-32. And that was a magnificent game of rugby. There's plenty of players on both sides who remember that day, and that could be crucial too when it gets down to the nitty-gritty. Yeah, absolutely. You just think 140 tests. It's a it's a fantastic mm. effort from Sarah Hunter. It's it's incredible to think that she's played more than all of the Black Ferns combined. But talk about <laughs> yeah, big game well, experience. Also, hey, can, I, can I give you some context for that? Yeah. There, there are three players in rugby history, in the game, in history, who have played more tests than Sarah Hunter. One's Alan Wynne-Jones, the great Welshman. One's mm-hmm. Richard McCaw, and one's Sam Whitelock. Um, Sarah Hunter it becomes the most fourth most capped player in the history of the international game. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Those are some some good company to find yourself in and amongst, that's for sure. Not, not bad, not bad. <laughs>
But we talk we talk big game experience. Obviously, the English they they're going to have that in spades just by the the number of caps that they've got next to their name. But but how important is the the sevens influence? The ability for for those women to come into the side. They've played in a lot of tournaments. They play a lot of footy together. Those connections. How important is that coming into the final? Yeah, we'll look through that back line, right? And they've got Portia Woodman, Theresa Fitzpatrick, Stacey Fuller, Ruby Tui, all seven stars uh, playing 11, 12, 13 and 14. Uh, there's no doubt for me that they have great vision for the game. They suit the style of play that the Black Ferns bring to the game. Um, they're fast. They're industrious. They work hard. Uh, Adam, the other, Sarah Hidney, of course, who's been a beast throughout this tournament. Her support play, uh, her ability to run seven lines and get to the breakdown either make the jackal or be the bridge to make sure that the Black Ferns get the ball back. And she was involved in a crucial play just like that for the go-ahead score for the Black Ferns on Saturday night. Um, you know, they, they bring a wealth of knowledge. They bring huge fitness and big, big lungs. I mean, they can stay like the mother-in-law, those four players in the back line. So uh, they, they know exactly what they've got to do. And they've been on the biggest stage in their game, right, in the sevens game. Um, yeah. You know, Flula and, and, and Woodman have been there to World Cups before, so they understand what it takes to win one. Um, and, you know, they've, they're absolutely fantastic for a young player like Renee Holmes as well because they understand support players, as I mentioned, but they also understand how to pivot at the back, uh, how to switch roles and just how to link up. They're always hungry for the ball, which is going to be crucial. And England defend narrow. Uh, while their defence is very proficient and very staunch, they do set up quite narrow. So, yeah, if we can find anything close to parity in the forward pack in terms of getting over the game line, then it does open opportunities out wide for this Black Ferns side. And with Fitzpatrick and Flula feeding the wings, um, you know, I, I think Ruby Two and Portia Woodman should get set for a very busy night. And can we say Kendra Coxedge, what a, what a servant she's been of, hmm. of New Zealand rugby as well. Fairy tale finish, a chance for her. How influential is she in this team? I, I just think of her in that semi-final. She ran the French ragged. She ran herself ragged, still had the energy to like leap, look like three feet in the air um, at, at the, the final whistle. I just think, yeah, what a what a phenomenal player she is. And do you think the Black Ferns have got it in them to, to send her off with that fairy tale finish? Oh, look, they would love to do nothing more uh, or nothing less than that. Uh, Kendra Coxedge deserves the plaudits. Uh, she, she broke... New ground in New Zealand rugby when she became the first woman to be crowned New Zealand Rugby Player of the Year. That's across both men's and women's game. Uh, she has given her all for this team for a very long period of time. She is the most capped black fern of all time. Um, and yeah, look, she does provide the spark, doesn't she? She's just non-stop from opening whistle to final whistle. And, you know, she's got to stay in the blue. That's what I would say to use some <laughs> modern sports psychology chat. Um I thought there were a couple of times in the game against France where, uh, you, you know, she, she will defend it by saying that Wayne Smith has told them to play their game, but sometimes you've got to play the game that all 14 others know that you're playing. And, you know, I hope Kendra can go out there and, you know, make smart tactical decisions. I love the way they play with tempo and they've got to set that tempo tonight against the English uh, but there are some times in the game where circumspection is probably the right move. So we'll see. I don't expect her to change too much, and I celebrate the player she is and the person she is, um, but she has a huge job to make sure that while she's sitting tempo, she's also got to set the structure and make sure that that, that team is coming along for the ride, especially in that combination with Rudamont, which is going to be really crucial um, up against Infante and Harrison in the half. So 
a big job for Kendra Coxedge to do. I hope she gets the acknowledgement she deserves. I'm sure she will. And I certainly know the team will be giving it their all to play for her as much as for themselves and their families. Yeah, love it. I'm sure she'll be one of the ones that Wayne Smith mentioned was practising their drop goals all week. I'm sure she's <laughs> one that, that fancies herself in the dying minutes, that's for sure. Last question, Scotty. A prediction for this final. Where's your money going? Where's your heart going? What do, what do you think's coming up for us tonight? Uh, I think a great game, a great celebration of the game for starters. So, uh, you know, I'll talk around the, the genuine question here, Frank, for a second. And I think it's a continuation of what we saw starting in New Zealand with the Cricket World Cup. And I did wanted to acknowledge, you know, the White Ferns, who really were the first um, to get their World Cup underway under much different circumstances. Uh, COVID straightened, of course. So, uh, but, you know, the same way you captured the imagination of New Zealand, this Black Ferns team has taken that and taken another leap forward with this World Cup. Uh, they're going to try and ride that all the way. I, I think if the Black Ferns, Frank, and I, I mean this sincerely, uh, all bias aside, and, um, you know, in my role it pays not to be too biased about the teams you're supporting. Um, look, if the Black Ferns play close to their potential in this game, I think it's theirs for the taking. If they don't, and if they allow England to set the tempo, uh, then England's most certainly in pole position. I think the Black Ferns will put on a show uh, tonight. Um, and look, I'm going to back them by, by the smallest of margins, by the smallest of margins, and that probably goes against the form book, but I'm just a huge believer in what they play and the style of rugby they play and how they've bettered that in in very quick fashion and how much they believe in it. And, uh, you know, I, I tend to agree with a lot of the rhetoric around this week where the pressure's really on England. They're the ones with the fully professional program. They're the ones with a million-pound bonus on the line. Um, they're the ones who are trying to go out there and prove that a fully professional program is a world champion program. Um, you know, the Black Ferns are the speed bump. They've won four of the four finals they've faced in, against each other in World Cups. History's on their side. Home crowd advantage. I think it's there for the New Zealand side. Excellent. That is what I like to hear. Let, let's hope uh, five from five is what we are celebrating Saturday night. Thank you so much for your time, Scotty. It's been brilliant to chat as always. And uh, go the Black Ferns, eh? Good on you, Frank. Good to see you. Good to hear from you. Excellent. That was commentator Scotty Stevenson, ahead of tonight's Rugby World Cup final. And that was your Canterbury Rugby update, brought to you by Kevlar Homes, helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevlar Homes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. 22 minutes after 7 this morning and what is going on in Canterbury? Well, in the cricket world, world, Canterbury Country, they won their Hawke Cup Challenge against Hawke's Bay last week so they are hosting Southland this time around at Rangura's main power oval. They made a good start yesterday being 302 for 4 after being sent in by Southland day 1. From 5 o'clock today at Moorpark Speedway, the FIM Oceania Sidecar Championship will be underway and Monday brings the Plunkett Shield back to town. Round 4 gets started with Canterbury taking on Auckland at Hagley Oval. Canterbury, top of the table there, so get along and cheer them on as they go for win number three in a row. It has, of course, been a massive week here in Christchurch with Cup and Show Week. The racing's been brilliant so far. It was lovely to get dressed up for Cup Week as well and pick a winner in there, but today's the day where the focus shifts to Rickerton Park, so get yourself down there from 11.30am to get amongst all of the action. But before you go, tune into the mail run just after us at 8am to get ahead at ahead of the rest. There's a massive show planned, so do not miss out. If you loved your time at Addington as well, check out their upcoming events at addington.co.nz. It's time for Frankie's Five. 
Yeah, Frankie's five, the favourite part of the morning. Today I'm sticking with a rugby theme and I'm going five reasons the Black Ferns can win the cup. Number one, well, history's on their side, unbeaten at the fortress that is Eden Park and a perfect four from four in World Cup appearances against the English. So, of course, backing them to go five from five. Number two... Teresa Fitzpatrick, she's been in sublime form in the number 12 jersey, absolutely scintillating some of the silkiest skills in the world. And add in to the fact she's got a pretty experienced head and a calming presence, but she's also never lost a game in the Black Ferns jersey. So she is my reason number two why they're going to win the cup today. Number three, they've got the best outside backs and finishes. Ruby Tui has become a cult hero. Portia Woodman holds the record for most tries scored at World Cups. And Aisha Lethiainga waits on the bench to open the game up in the last quarter. Perfect for mine. Number four, five of the eight forwards come from the dominant Canterbury Farah Palmer Cup team and they will not take a backward step against anyone. They'll need to front up against a powerful pack but if anyone can, the Cantabs can. And of course, number five, it is the fairy tale finish that awaits Kendra Coxedge. Not everyone gets one but if anyone should, it's Kendra Coxedge. She's been amazing. She's formed a dominant partnership with the skipper, Rue Demant. She's trusted by her captain and coach to play that up-tempo game, back her skills. Remember the Farah Palmer, Palmer Cup final? Her 100th and last game, she single-handedly scored 21 points in a Canterbury win. Loves the big moments, and I expect her to be right in the thick of things once again. So that's it. That's Frankie's Five, brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. That's five reasons the Black Ferns will be lifting the cup. Time for a little quick break here, and we'll be back to talk all things football. Coming up to 7.30 this morning, we have spoken all things rugby so far. We got to talk to Scotty Stevenson, get his views on a massive game coming out for the Black Ferns, a themed Frankie's Five, in the exact same way. Just a huge day for women's sport in the country, huge day for the Black Ferns. I think they have been absolutely excellent in everything they've done. So deserving of a win tonight at Eden Park. It's it's a phenomenal place to, to play your sport. I, I don't like talking Auckland up too much, but it is it is thought of as New Zealand Stadium. The wonderful things occur at that place. There, there's magic moments. You think of the last uh, time hosted a Rugby World Cup final, Tony Woodcock going over in the corner. You think of Grant Elliott hitting the six into the stands to beat the South Africans in the semi-final. Just magical things tend to happen at Eden Park and it is just just a wonderful place to play. So I hope everyone in the Auckland region who's got tickets get along, even if the weather is not quite to your liking. It probably doesn't suit the Black Ferns if the rain does come to play. But look, if anyone can, the Black Ferns can. So I'm very excited. I will definitely be parked up watching. I was one of those people that was sitting there hoping that I could uh, afford the flights and the tickets to get along, but uh, I think I was one of the 10,000 people who, after the semi-final, was on their phone looking at flights, looking at everything, and spending $1,000 to get there. Well, it wasn't quite in the in the budget for this weekend, shall we say that. So, unfortunately, I'll be sat here in Christchurch watching, but it is uh, it is sure to be an excellent, excellent spectacle of rugby. So... Make sure you tune in. Make sure you get involved. Uh, we've got a panel coming up later in the show to finish the show off. We won't talk rugby this time. That's been the theme for for a couple of shows in a row now. We will talk cricket instead, which will be which will be highly exciting. Actually, we've got two of the biggest cricket nuffies, I think I can safely call them, in Guy Havelt and and 
uh, Garth Galloway, returning show favourite, so we will definitely talk cricket. But for now, we are going to talk Football. We're going to talk football ferns. We're going to talk the Canterbury Pride. The football ferns are back in town. It's been four years since they've played in New Zealand and even longer since they've played in Christchurch. They kick off 2.30 today to make sure it doesn't clash at all with any of the rugby going on. And the Canterbury Pride, will they take on Western Springs Sunday, 1 o'clock at English Park. And to preview this busy women's football weekend, I'm joined by Pride head coach Alana Gunn. Alana, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Morning, Frankie. How are you? Well, since I'm, I'm well, since we chatted last, the pride of one, two on the bounce. Is it fair to say that uh, we could probably be claiming lucky charm status here? <laughs> you definitely can. Maybe <laughs> we'll see tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> but in all seriousness, must be must be a happy coach. What's been going well the last couple of weeks? Um, yeah, two results has been nice. I think um, really good for the girls just to, you know, have six points. We're currently sitting fourth, which is which is a bit nicer than where we previously previously were. Um, last week was a tough game. We're on the road to Central, who you know, if, if you know the league, Central don't pick up a lot of points, and we we won in the 94th minute with a penalty, so um, it didn't quite go to plan. But uh, we got the three points, and and uh, yeah, the girls are the girls are looking forward to this weekend because it will be another tough challenge. Yeah, well, sometimes those are the best ones, aren't they? When you manage to find a way to just scrape over the line and you walk off shaking your head just what quite happened there. But it's great, great to get the points on the board. And, and as you said, you got a pretty handy team coming up against this weekend, uh, Western Springs. You played them early season back in September. What are you expecting from them this time around? Yeah, they're really structured in what they do. They kind of have a really clear playing style and, and, and don't change too much. So, um, you know, it's... I mean, it's a, a good thing and a, and a bad thing because you know, they're very good at what they do because they, um, you know, they don't stray too far, but it also gives you an um, opportunity to, I guess, be really prepared. So um, we kind of know what they'll expect. And, and um, you know, we can't, we, we, we felt a bit hard done by last time we played them. So there might be a little bit of that coming in the, into, the, into the team talk um, and maybe a little bit of redemption to try, you know, at least get a point at home. I love to hear it. So to get that redemption, what, what do you need to see from your side? What are you hoping to see to, to try and extend that winning streak? Yeah, last week we, we got we got into positions to score goals and we didn't. So um, that's definitely the first one on the on the list is, you know, being clinical in the penalty box, um, just decision making. We, we, you know, we're taking a lot of shots in areas that kind of don't have the the percentage of going in, so you know, getting a bit closer to goal um, and taking our chances a little bit, and then um, just transition to defence. So we're a little bit we're a little bit slow on on this, and you know, Western Springs are really good on the counter. They've got good players up front. Um, like I said, they're organised, so we're going to have to be really sharp um, in that in that mindset as well to to ensure they don't kind of capitalise on us um, yeah. in that transition moment. Yeah, look forward to it, that's for sure. Now, Football Ferns as well, back in New Zealand for the first time in four years. What do you think they'll be looking to get out of these games against Korea? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I managed to take my daughter down to the assigning yesterday. Um, and awesome. Yeah, she was fizzing, so that's cool. But yeah, it was nice to see the girls. Um, obviously, a lot of them have come out of the, well, not a lot, five of them have come out of the Pride program, so caught up with them and... Um, they're really excited to be at home. There's a really nice feeling amongst the um, amongst the team, you know, just to be on home soil again, and and obviously for the Christchurch players to be in Christchurch in front of family. So, you know, I think from a maybe a result perspective, yeah, look, I think they I think they need a result. I think they need to be looking at least to get, you know, maybe a win and a draw against these two teams. They're still missing 
some big names out of their squad. Um, you know, four or five players again, um, and um, four or five starters aren't there. Um, but, you know, a good opportunity to see others. And I think yesterday they, they mentioned they've already lost two out of training. So Grace Wisniewski and Jackie Hand have picked up injuries. They won't be available either. So, you know, we don't have great depth in that area, but it's a good opportunity to see that kind of next tier of players. And I think it's a really good opportunity for some players to step up and, and um, I guess put their hand up because, you know, it's only six months away before they, you know, yet could be kind of selecting that World Cup squad. So... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think really cool that you went along to, to the signing and, and the team was able to get out and about because I was shocked, actually. It's been 31 years. I, I couldn't believe it. 31 years since the football ferns have played in Christchurch. So what is this going to mean to, to not just the Canterbury contingent? And, and you tried to talk it down, only five. I think that's a, that's a great starting point to have five <laughs> in, the, in the national setup. But what, what does it mean to them? And I guess as well, what does it mean to, to football in this region to actually have international women's football back here? Yeah, um, I think Andrew Pregnall, the CEO, mentioned it yesterday as he kind of opened the, the floor up. Um, he said, uh, you know, Karashich is a, is a, we're a footballing region. Um, if you look at uh, numbers and, and per population across New Zealand and things like that and the success, you know, the Pride program and, and the girls have had. Um, it's massive. It's massive. I really hope, you know, um, although it's a long weekend, it might make it tough, but um, that people turn up turn up to support them. Um, I guess what was fantastic yesterday at the signing, it was, you know, it wasn't just a, an email out for a female database of boys and girls. You know, it was awesome. It was, it was kids mm. there really loving it. And um, there was shirts. There was a lot of... A lot of the kids are already in fern shirts and things like that. So there is a following here, I think. And, um, you know, across the two days, I think we'll hopefully get some numbers in. Um, but I think it's a stepping stone towards, you know, the ferns reconnecting with the community um, leading into the World Cup, which I think is really important. And and a little bit of goodwill because, um, you know, we Christchurch not picking up a, um, a uh, being a home uh, venue for the, the World Cup <laughs> might have been a bit of a sorry here's a couple of games but uh, we'll take it. Yeah absolutely I think that's a it is a little bit of an olive branch isn't it when when you miss out on, on those World Cup games which is a real shame for, for Christchurch and the region as well but but it is exciting to, to have them back I think as well if you if you can't see it you can't be it I think on the back of two recent uh, Women's World Cups across the cricket and now the rugby going on at the moment. I think there's been a real push for, for women's sport. It's made it a bit more visible as well, which is which is just cool to see and about time as well. So I'm hoping that that, that ties in nicely for the football ferns in their upcoming World Cup as well. But before that, they've got to deal with, with Korea, who are ranked four spots higher than New Zealand. Do you think they, they match up quite well? Do you think that, that good results are, are actually pretty pretty possible in this two-game series? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, the rankings are a funny, a funny thing with FIFA, but, um, you know, Korea are good, and I've got some quality players, and I think if they come and play, um, then it's going to be it's gonna be hard to pick up the three points, um, but doable for sure, and I think um, they, the Ferns need to. They need to start picking up points against these teams. They've played, you know, are getting more and more matches, and we're going to have more and more matches between now and you know, next year's World Cup at home. So they need to learn to, you know, use that home advantage and, and um, start putting putting some goals behind these goal, uh, teams and picking up results for sure. Yeah, and players to watch out for in the New Zealand lineup if you're if you're heading along. Yeah, yeah, it'll be an interesting lineup. I can't quite pick it, but um, 
I'm thinking it'd be exciting to see Debbie Rennie um, back on home soil getting a run. Um, you know, she's always a constant threat up top. Um, she's come on, she's scored in a goal at the Olympics and, you know, she's come on at, at kind of tough times and, and kind of just forced her way to, to do something with it for the girls, which has been fun to see. Um, I always like watching mouse play, um, whether it be centre-back or full-back. You know, she's always exciting to watch. She's got great range in her pass and... Uh, and then um, we might see Vic Essen in goal, who, mm. if you've watched the last couple of games, I think if we click back that game against Australia, you know, just fantastic performance. She's an incredible shot stopper and um, really entertaining to watch when, you know, when the girls are under the pump. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing those three play. Like it. And I like that you've named some Cantabs in there as well. That's the way to, <laughs> absolutely the way to go about it. They're the ones I'm watching out for as well. But look, a big thanks from us, Alana. Thanks for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, ahead of a huge weekend for women's football and women's sport in general, really. So best of luck to you and the Pride. And, and fingers crossed that we are the good luck charm and the, the winning streak continues. <laughs> I'll be talking to you next week if you are, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we like to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that was Canterbury Pride oh. coach, uh, head coach uh, Alana Gunn, ahead of the Football Ferns, taking on t- career 2.30pm today at Orange Theory and the Canterbury Pride in action again, 1pm Sunday at English Park. Get along and support. Last break here before we finish up with the Melray Electric Panel. Well, we're almost at the end of our show now, so it's time for our last segment, the Eagerly Awaited Panel, proudly sponsored by Melray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. Joining me today are two returning fan favourites, sports reporter Guy Havelt and cricket commentator Garth Galloway. A big welcome back to you both, and thanks for joining me today. Morning, Frankie. Morning, Garth. Hello. Now... Let's jump in straight away. Let's talk cricket here. The Black Caps beaten semi-finalists showing again, look, they're there or thereabouts in world events, Guy, but does this campaign get a pass mark for you? I think it gets gets a pass mark, Frankie, um, purely because they made the semi-finals. Uh, it wouldn't get much more than that. Look, I was really quite... Uh, once they beat Australia, anyway, I, I was quite hopeful that, that this team would be able to do something special at this tournament. Uh, I thought that you know, I, I know a lot of people were quite concerned about Pakistan because of the history going into that semi-final. I just thought the Black Caps were in a good enough position that they could uh, finally topple Pakistan in a, in a knockout game at a World Cup. It obviously didn't prove to be. They were, frankly, well off the pace, considerably beaten. Uh, and so, in the end, it, it was a hugely disappointing tournament. I think they, I think they peaked at the wrong time. I think Australia was the game they really got up for. They dealt to the Aussies. And then from there, we saw some decent performances, but, but they never really matched that. And, uh, yeah, it fell well short against Pakistan. So a pass mark, uh, but I wouldn't give it much more than that. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought it was going to be such a difficult pool to get out of, and I, I named it the pool of death, and I think I was one that, especially after we beat Australia, you kind of thought, yeah, we're, we're going to be into semifinals. We all of a sudden looked like one of the favourites. How did you see it, Garth? Was this an achieved, or, or maybe with the form of some of the other big teams going around, was this actually a chance gone begging, really, for the Black Caps? Oh, yeah, I think it was a chance gone begging. I agree with Guy. I mean, in a way... I mean, the best thing that's happened was they smashed Australia, but in a way it was the worst thing that's happened because I think um, they never really gained that spark again. They lost badly to England. You'll remember that they could have been 29 for four against Sri Lanka. They were really struggling against their top spin bowlers. Um, so, you know, I, I think um, it's going to get harder. We've talked about it before, Frankie, for this New Zealand team and hanging on to players and so on. And I don't think they've got the depth that uh, many people think they have got. So 
you know, an opportunity missed. Um, again, I question some of Williamson's captaincy. I, you know, I'll talk to you about Finn Allen till the cows come home and, um, and how they're using him. I don't think it's intelligent at all. The other interesting factor, I think, in the tournament is we only used five bowlers, New Zealand, which was, again, I don't think that's a good thing. You know, they bowled well, very well, actually, in places. I think the bowling unit was fantastic, but we're the only side to go through that tournament bowling only five bowlers. And when we got into trouble against Pakistan, we had nowhere else to turn. Yeah, that's an interesting one, the five bowlers. That was one that, that got brought up by the, the commentary team in that match against Pakistan. Did, did it have that feeling, Guy, that we underutilised some of our, our bowlers? Or maybe just resources in general, I think. Yeah, Santner and Bolt were the only people that bowled their full, full complement throughout the tournament, and that's only 20 overs. We only bowled the five bowlers. Nisham, I think, with the bat faced something only like 37 balls. Is it we got our tactics slightly wrong? Did we underutilise some of these players, or is that... Just how T20 goes sometimes. I think it's a bit of all three, to be honest. Uh, I think they, I agree with Garth, they certainly underutilised some players. I would have liked to have seen Adam Milne given a run at some stage. I think he had started to hit his straps in terms of bowling. I think he would have gone pretty well on some of those pitches over in Australia as well. I completely agree around Finn Allen. I think they got caught up in what Finn Allen did against Australia. Uh, I think they put all their eggs in the Finn Allen basket. And when Finn gets out, you know, inside three, four overs, uh, it seems like the, the innings kind of get curtailed a little bit. Look, the, the, this tail for the Black Cats starts at maybe, well, a little bit at Mitchell Santner. I mean, he can hit a few, but he's not exactly going to uh, win you a match on, on every occasion. I wouldn't put my... Uh, wouldn't put all my faith in Mitchell Santner's batting. Uh, so it's a longish tail, and I think when you have an inexperienced player like Finn Allen at the top and you're, you're really relying on him a lot to get your innings underway strongly and it doesn't go well, then you're in a bit of a pickle. I would have liked to have seen Martin Guptill given more of a chance. Uh, at, a, at a World Cup like that, experience is massive, and, man, he has so much experience, doesn't he? Our highest T20 run scorer, uh, one of our best white ball players of all time, and he's pretty much been forgotten. I think he's been treated pretty poorly. I've been pretty disappointed by that, and I just think they got uh, a, a few things wrong, and that was one of them. Yeah, well, that's, that is an interesting one. Now, where to for Martin Guptill, Guy? Like, does this does this start to look like potentially, is this the start of the end for Martin Guptill? I mean, he's played, he's, he's 36 now, he's played 198 one-day matches, 122 T20 ODI, um, internationals as well. Averages 31 in the format, averages 41 in one-day cricket. Are we going to see a spot for him still? Well, I, as I say, I think they're putting all the eggs in the finale basket. I think it's terribly wrong, uh, and I think it will be. I think they will miss Martin Guptill if they don't take him to the World Cup, uh, the 50-over World Cup that is next year. Uh, but I, I think that's the way it's heading. They seem to think that Finn Allen, and, and he is, he is the future. I'm just not sure whether the future is here right now, and I would not be throwing someone like Martin Guptill away as quickly as they seem to be. Um, you know, any team at the moment, I think, would probably still find a place for Martin Guptill. Yeah, he's had a little bit of a, a down patch in the last probably six to eight months or so, uh, but there have been a few Black Caps batters who have. Uh, um, and so, yeah, I... I, I I find this one a bit strange. I find it a bit hard to stomach. Look, I, I know Martin. I should probably put that out there. I, I do know him quite well, um, so there is possibly a little bit of that um, side coming into it. But if I take that away, frankly, I think he's one of the best players we've ever had. I think he's still got it, and I think you need him at a World Cup, uh, particularly next year in India.
Yeah, well, his record speaks for itself, and, and Garp, he is a great guy to have around the team as well. I'm sure all of the, the Black Caps would say that too, but how do you see it, Garth? Is, is Finn Allen the the man that they just have to persevere with now? He played every World Cup match so far this time, 95 runs at 19, only faced 51 balls throughout, strike rate 186, which sounds great, but we just need more output from him. At 23, is, is there someone you just have to persevere with? The talent is obvious, it's it's there in spades. Is it just, you know, we, we're going to have some ups and downs with this young guy and we've just got to persevere, or or is there still room for a Martin Guptill to come back in? I mean, Henry Nichols opened at the last World Cup. Like, Is that spot still open for discussion, or do you think Finn Allen is, is locked in? I, I think that they have locked Allen in. I think the way they use him is just is plain stupid, um, and I'm sorry to be so blunt. He faced, as you say, 51 balls in the World Cup, so... 10 balls in innings, you know, and that includes games against Ireland, you know, and so on. So, I mean, he, he's he's got his runs at uh, in his career at an average of 24, so around 500 runs, but most of them against Bangladesh, Ireland, Scotland, the Netherlands and Pakistan, mm-hmm. you know. So he's, and, and you saw him the other day. I mean, it was just dreadful. His first shot was fantastic down the ground. He's on top. Then he goes to look to hit through mid-wicket. He gets a successful review and he does exactly the same thing the next ball and gets out. So, that you know, and when he got against Australia to 42 off uh, 16 balls, um, eight of those hit the boundaries, it was terrific. But at that stage, you know, are they just going to say, just keep smashing it, man, because that's your role, Alan. That's your role. All you've got to do is go out there and smash it. It's not going to work. There's a reason that t- that there aren't top order players with a strike rate of 200 throughout their careers, and so you, you know New Zealand have got to be a whole lot more intelligent about it. And I, I think I agree with you. I was it was something I wanted to talk about, Guy. That, that I think Guptill has been badly treated. I think that he should have got a run over there. And you know when you look at Alan batting 51 balls for an opening bat in five innings in a World Cup, is that good enough? No way, it's not. I don't think that's necessarily his fault. I think they told him that that's the way to play, and I think it's completely wrong. Yeah, well, it is the way he's played at the domestic level as well. It's almost that carefree attitude that to label it that he doesn't care is is unfair on him, but it's it's that ability to just go out there and have that really fearless approach. But it is bloody tough to do it against the best bowlers in the world with a new ball in their hands, that's for sure. Do you think possibly, though, Garth, that that maybe the the Conway and Williamson fitting them both into a T20 lineup has maybe pushed them into a corner of trying to say, well, we have to have Allen at the top to to go out there and and just blat it everywhere because we've got two guys who really want to craft an innings. Yes, they'll end up with a good strike rate by the end, but almost by having Conway and Williamson in the same team, does it perhaps... Is that perhaps the way that this Black Caps team goes going forward? Or, or maybe is it one of them has to either slip out of, of the team altogether or, or perhaps play in a slightly different position? I think you've got, to, you've got to play both of them. Conway, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Conway's um, he's averaging 36 in the tournament at 116 and Williamson's 35 at 116. Um, I, I, like, I like Conway and, and Alan Oatman or, for example, Conway and Guptill, or Conway and Nichols. It doesn't worry me too much, because yeah. I think if if, you, if you've got stability at the top, and Alan's just not going there and throwing his wicket away, Williamson can play a different game as well. For me, you know, I think Williamson had a really good tournament with the bat. I think he did well. He came in often. We were one down or two down. Um, and, he, and he was adjusting his game to suit the circumstances, and I think he's one of the best at that in the world. I, I really do. So... Um, you know, but I think if you've got a better opening pair who are who are doing, you know, who are scoring 
or, or spending more time at the crease, then Williamson can come in and play a different role. But when he's in there in the first couple of overs, it's very hard for him. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think some of the... He's copped a bit of criticism uh, of late, has Kane Williamson, that's for sure. Do you think that's been a, a little bit harsh, maybe, Guy, that actually he's he's not going as badly as some of the criticism suggests? Massively, massively harsh. Uh, he has come in at some sticky situations mm. for the Black Caps, and if he hadn't have done what he had done, i.e. soak up a few balls, still pick the runs over, which he did very well. He was, Absolutely. most balls, he was at least finding a single. And, and you know, and, and as we say, there are more explosive batsmen at the other end of the pitch. So you need someone to stay in there, ticking the score over while the batter at the other end is trying to score the, the more explosive runs. I think he's been, yeah, very harshly criticised. I thought, it, like Garth, I thought he had a great tournament, actually. I thought he played very well. His captaincy, that's batting. His captaincy is another story. And, and look, I don't know this. I haven't been given any oil. But I I suspect, I, I, I think that maybe Kane Williamson might step down from the T20 captaincy going forward. I think it might help him. Uh, I think it might just take one bit of load off his shoulders because right now he has all of that Black Caps team. He's carrying... You know, a lot of weight on his shoulders when it comes to to this team, and I just think maybe you know I suspect he'll still play T20s, but I just don't know if he'll be the captain of this team uh, in in the next and you know in twelve months or so. Maybe even maybe even uh, that might happen sooner than that. Yeah, well, you look at even someone like a Virat Kohli. He he got rid of the captaincy. He'd been going through a bit of a lean spell himself, and then all of a sudden just freed up, and and he's been magnificent throughout this T20 World Cup, but. I mean, talking India, I guess as well. They they were thumped in the second semi-final guy against England. Uh, were you a little surprised at how easily they were picked apart? Yeah, I was massively surprised by that. I, I really thought it was going to be an India-Pakistan final. I would have loved to have seen that. That that just would have been a phenomenal spectacle, as we saw in the in the pool play stages. That 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 was one of the the games of cricket in the last ten decade uh, last decade. Sorry, that that you wanted to see. The atmosphere and everything around it was just remarkable. So a little bit disappointed in that regard. But man, oh man, what Joss Butler and uh, Alex Hales did last night, uh, sorry, on, on uh, Thursday night, was, was something else. Uh, absolutely brilliant performance from both of them. I, I don't know if I've seen a better opening partnership in, in T20 cricket than what they produced at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, and if they can do that against Pakistan, uh, it's, it's hard to see even Pakistan's superb bowling lineup shutting that down to, to the effect that they that that they did against the Black Caps. Those two were, were freakish. They were due. They were absolutely due. But I, I think what we saw was, was something that, that was just out of this world. So, yeah, it should be a cracking final, actually. Uh, Pakistan's bowlers up against uh, the real firepower of England's batters. Uh, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute cracker, that's for sure. There's been look, there's been upsets galore throughout this World Cup. Garth, are there any games that, that have really stood out for you? I mean, I'd probably point New Zealand-Australia got the tournament started off pretty well from, from a Kiwi point of view, but any games that, that really stood out to you as, as best games of the World Cup? Well, well I think that was, you know, that, that was the standout one for New Zealand, and they were, they were quite brilliant in that game. Uh, they were just wonderful. Um, well, I think, you know, I enjoyed actually the, just, I, I enjoyed watching the semi-final uh, New Zealand-Pakistan, and obviously I enjoyed that game last night, but I just thought Pakistan's fielding, you know, I, I thought that the job that um, 
that Zaclain and Matthew Hayden have done with them. It was just incredible to see them throwing themselves yeah. around the way that they did. Their fielding was it was exceptional. They were playing, you know, they, they went into that game. I mean, the big game, I suppose, the one that's, that, that the people will remember a lot is Netherlands beating South Africa. And there have been a lot of upsets, and I've really enjoyed the minnows coming through. You know, West Indies kicked out of the tournament, just a shadow of their former selves. Ireland coming through, Zimbabwe, Ireland beating England. I mean, you know, that was a magnificent game as well. So, I think I feel like the gap is getting a bit closer, and I think that's really good for cricket. And you know, it's it's it was a pity in a way that our game against Afghanistan was rained off because I was looking forward to seeing how how our batters cope with their spin bowlers. But I mean, I, I, yeah, I suppose if you look at other games, I mean, Ireland's upset against England, you know, just wonderful. So it, it's been it's been a really interesting tournament. I, I think Pakistan might get up. You know, I, I just think. Um, Babar and Rizwan back in form, and their bowlers are, are mercurial. So, it, it, as Guy said, I think it'll be a fantastic final. A lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's that was actually going to be my final question to you. So, Pakistan-England final, who's your money on and why? So, Garth, you're you're leaning towards Pakistan well, because yeah, of that, I, that top I, my, order. My, my, my head says England, you know, if you're going to put your house on it. Uh, but my heart says Pakistan, just for different reasons. And I like this English side as well. I don't really mind. But I just I love the way Pakistan have got there through the Netherlands, beating South Africa, all the bags packed, ready to go. They've got nothing to lose, eh? And they're dangerous okay. like love that. It. Love it. So you've gone Pakistan. Guy, who are you? Are you going to, are you prepared to put your house on it, as, as Garth was saying? Or who's going, to, who's going to get over the line for you? I'll chuck the uh, house that I currently rent on it. How, how does that sound, Frankie? Uh, that sounds a good yeah, deal. I'll, I'll, I think Pakistan, uh, I just think their bowling uh, the other night was superb. If they can produce that again, uh, I think they'll they'll be able to tie England down a little bit. So, yeah, I'll go Pakistan. Hopefully it's a great game, though. I, I just want a great final. And I, I want a yeah. nice play because the weather in Melbourne is meant to be so bad. <laughs> yeah, it is meant to be uh, torrential rain, that's for sure. But there is a reserve day locked in, which is always nice for those for those big finals. And, and I like what both of you had to say. I think Pakistan will be very hard to beat the momentum. They've uh, managed to sneak into semi-final time, massive win, and then all to play for. And if you talk to any bowlers in T20 cricket, you they would tell you it's the batters that get bums on seats, but it's the bowlers that win titles. So I, I think Pakistan might just have a little bit of, a, of an advantage there. But thanks so much for your time guys look we could talk cricket for, for hours and hours on end I'm sure but uh, thanks again and, and enjoy the rest of your long weekend as well thanks, thanks have a great nice to chat to you both well that's us done and dusted for another week have a great weekend everyone enjoy that long weekend get out and about hopefully there's a bit of sunshine around and make sure you tune in to the Black Ferns 7.30pm tonight and tune in to us again same time same place next Saturday morning Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.